This is the Red Sign Podcast, a deep dive into legacy wealth building through real estate. Welcome to the show. All righty, let's welcome everybody back to a brand new episode of the Red Sign Podcast. I am your host, Chris Hollifield, joined by Clay Winder. He is co-hosting with me today. He is uh, He's in the flesh here in the podcast studio. It's good to have you here, Clay. It's How good, are you doing? It's good to be here. I'm excited because we've got one of my favorite people, one of the biggest nerds in the world, Paul you, Olson. Yeah, I was going to say, I'll let you introduce him. <laughs> Who do we got? Yeah, Paul is... Uh, is uh, not just my accountant, but the accountant for uh, many successful uh, real estate investors. And well, a lot of people, you guys do all kinds of accounting, but for the purpose and theme of, of what we talk about here on this podcast, we'd love to pick your brain and glad that you were able to come in and, and uh, let us get some good insights on accounting and tax strategies and different things so that we can all make a little more money. Absolutely. Teach us your ways, right? (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. I'm excited to be here. Let's Let's do it. Yeah. So Paul, uh, just so I guess everyone kind of has the, the foundation of this conversation, you guys do, you know, bookkeeping, but primarily a lot of this conversation does end up going toward taxes. We teach a lot to our clients and our friends uh, when investing in real estate specifically, whether it's just as normal home ownership to get out of renting or to actually buy properties that you don't occupy that you're going to rent out that, uh, the most neglected income source as a real estate investor and the, and the least talked about cause it's not sexy. It's not fun is the tax savings part. Absolutely. Absolutely. So somehow we have to make this conversation more exciting. We've talked about cost segregation <laughs> and those things, but I thought if we could just jump right into the fundamentals of home, home ownership versus renting, there's a lot of folks right now. Uh, I want to use the word stuck in renting because of the way pricing has gotten in Utah. The last stat we saw is that we are 50-50 state. 50% of uh, of households rent versus 50% own. And uh, sometimes it's easy to say, boy, it, it literally is cheaper right now to rent from sure. a monthly perspective versus home ownership because rates are high. Yep. And I'm going to have shots shot across the bow when I say that comment. But the, the numbers as of right now recording, it, it really is cheaper to rent from just a money out of pocket. But we know that that is, when you look at the big picture, that's not apples to apples. Right. Right. No, I think, uh, I think most people ultimately the, the goal is home ownership, right? And there's, there's a lot of advantages that come to that. For those that are renting, there are still things that you can do, right? As far as, uh, you talk about accounting wise, tax wise, um, I'll throw this out here. Those that are renting that are self-employed, right? Um, are you working out of your, out of your home at all? Um, is there a home office deduction? Are you, are you accounting for uh, the time that you spend on your phone or on your computer or sourcing deals in your home? Everyone does that. You might have a main office that you go to, but everyone usually does some type of work out of their home. Even with your rent, when you are renting, there's, there's, a, there's a piece of that that you should be deducting um, for, from your business, even if you are renting. Right. I totally forgot. Renters can get that same deduction yeah. as homeowners. Sure. sure. Absolutely. They're using that space just like a homeowner is. Um, now you're not, you're not deducting, you know, property taxes, but you also don't have to pay them. Right. You're not deducting mortgage interest, but you also don't have to pay it. Um, so there are so, still things like renters that feel like, Hey, sometimes I'm not included here. You totally are. Um, that's just one perfect example of, of what a renter could be deducting um, on his tax return. So let's talk to our homeowners and kind of go down that rabbit hole a little more. One of the coolest uh, uh, 
uh, tax savings tips that you taught me was the Augusta rule. Will you explain that to our listeners? Yeah, what the Augusta rule is, is <clears throat> uh, you're basically allowed, as a homeowner, you're allowed to rent your home to your business tax-free as long as you don't do it more than 14 days a year. So what we typically suggest to our clients is, all right, you set up a, an agreement with yourself, with your business, right? And your business pays you personally once a month to hold a board meeting in your home. And it may be just you who sits on your board or you and your spouse that sit on your board. You're holding a meeting. You talk about business, what's going on, what are our goals, what are the metrics that we should be meeting. You keep notes on those meetings. And once a month, you're transferring money from your business account to your personal account. We typically do about $1,000. Um, you're supposed to kind of check with a, a local hotel, a Marriott or something. All right, what, what would be the equivalent if we rented out a boardroom and had it catered, right? Um, around here, that's typically about $1,000 a month. And so you're creating an expense for your business and the cash stays in your pocket. You just switch it from your left pocket to your right pocket. Everyone should be doing that. <laughs> that's awesome. And it can that go for a company Christmas parties or, or sure. things that are a little more casual than a board meeting? Sure. What the, the key here is 14 days a year. Can't do it more than 14 days a year. And yeah. what, where it originated was, was golf tournaments. 14 uh, days total, right? Uh -huh. Okay. 14 okay. days total. All right. Yep. Yep. So I typically, I typically do 12 days a year once a month. Um, I'll call it a, a board meeting. Right. Um, but the key is the 14 days. That's awesome. Yeah. It's pretty amazing. And everyone should be doing it. Sweet. Well, okay, so let's take those homeowners. They're now investors. They've got not only their home, they're maximizing, you know, they're getting their uh, their Augusta rule deductions and their home office uh, deductions. But now they just went out. Uh, Chris and I just convinced them to buy a rental property and say, okay, I got my rental property. Got very little skinny cash flow, which is the true nature of today's market. True. But they said, well, I'm doing it because I want to bring down my AGI. And I heard buying a piece of real estate will bring down my my adjusted gross income so I can pay less in taxes. Now there's a couple of different ways that a rental property can bring down that AGI. Do you mind touching on those? Yep. Let's, let's talk about a few of those. So <clears throat> one of them is, and, and some of these have income limitations in different professions, uh, but let's talk high level. So with a rental property, you mentioned this, typically cash flow is, is a little bit thinner, right? The beauty of a rental property in real estate is the cash flow that you are getting or the mortgage that's being paid down for you by your renter, um, you're essentially getting all that cash tax-free because there are so many deductions that go in to reducing your rental income. You're writing off your mortgage interest on that rental property, your property taxes, any maintenance fees you have, cleaning, management fees, HOA fees, all your mileage when you drive out to that property, you're deducting those. You're, you're looking at this rental property as a business in and of itself. Beyond that, the biggest thing here is depreciation, right? So if you're, <clears throat> if you have, you know, $9,000 of depreciation a year for a lot of taxpayers, um, your, your cash flow, your actually, your PL, your profit and loss statement on that one rental property may show a significant loss because of depreciation. One of the beauties of that is that is considered what's called passive losses. And depending on your income, you can take those passive losses. Say you've got $12,000 of passive losses. You can net that against your W-2 income or any other type of income that you have 
And all of a sudden, if your W-2 has $100,000 on it and you've got $12,000 of rental losses, okay, well, now I'm only paying tax on $88,000 rather than the full $100,000. And so running losses through a rental property, um, while the cash flow might be minimal, the tax advantages are actually fairly significant. I might even argue on my own personal experience that my tax savings outweighs my cash flow sometimes three to one. Oh, absolutely. If not, like absolutely, even more. Mm-hmm. Um, so just to recap, we've got the 1099, the mortgage interest. That's a deduction we can get. The depreciation, the big one, and then other just smaller business expenses, driving in the property, things like that. Exactly, exactly. And a lot of times it's important <laughs> to keep track of that. You're looking at this rental property as a business in and of itself, Right. Um, you, you should technically have separate bank accounts set up for this property. Um, and if you do, and you're always swiping that, that business, that bank account, debit card or credit card, it's pretty easy to keep track of what those expenses are. Uh, we'll get clients, uh, throughout the year that send over just the income for the rental property and nothing else. Well, they're losing out on quite a few expenses, right? Um, they'll typically send over like maybe, maybe the mortgage interest and the property taxes, but they're missing a lot of other things that could make that loss even bigger. Um, and so it's important to keep track of that stuff, um, because it's, it's pretty significant and it adds up to, you know, what you're paying to the IRS at the end of the day or what you're getting back as a refund. Um, so pay close attention to that. It matters for sure. So one to, to get a little bit more into the weeds on this one question we get periodically from our investors is when they do repairs on their rental property, is that just an expense that's in a deduction or is it a capital improvement? How do you as an accountant consider uh, improvements to a property, even if it's just basic maintenance, Home Depot runs, things like that? How do you generally advise your clients to categorize that and and to to look at that from a a business perspective? Yeah, good question. So a uh, guideline that our firm typically uses um, is if it is $2,500 or less, it's going through the profit and loss statement, meaning it's just an expense. Just maintenance. Just, just maintenance. Just nope. maintenance expense, right? If it's more than $2,500, that's a capital improvement, which means, all right, I'm then depreciating the mm. value of that capital improvement over so many years. An expense is better than a capital improvement and depreciating that over 27 and a half years for sure. So, Oh, that's juicy. I actually have never heard you give an actual number, the 2,500 yep. in, internally. That I feel is, like in I'm my, giving you everything I got here internally. That is what we use. Well, it's funny because I think a lot of us like somewhere have that line on like, am I like actually doing a major improvement mm-hmm. on my property? Am I just losing money on this? So I, what other pitfalls might, I mean, you do a lot of investors books and taxes, um, you talked about the guys that are, and gals that just send over the income without it. What other pitfalls do you see that you think, oh boy, if if every investor could just remember these couple of things, they'll get a lot more bang for their buck when it comes time to do their accounting. Uh, what do you see the most? What are the most common? Yeah, here, here's a pitfall that maybe you don't think about um, is potentially not even being organized before the end of the year. Um, it's difficult to strategize and put together a strategy for a client um, 
if they're not organized and we don't know exactly what we're working with. Guys, you should see Paul mad dog in here right now. <laughs> when we first met, oh, we shouldn't even, I shouldn't even confess to. Clay is one of the best. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, because I ended up hiring you guys to do my actual <laughs> books throughout the year because the first time I sent over my, my QuickBooks, it was not categorized very well. There was a lot of miscellaneous on there. It was messy. Sure, but it, <laughs> when when you are organized and you go meet with CPA before the end of the year, mm. if, if, if you've passed the year, right, and you're in February, what should I do? The time's passed, right? So there's the pro tip. Exactly. Just get ahead of it before exactly. at least the end of the year. Getting ahead of it. Um, and you bring like, hey, here's exactly where we're at. Okay, here's some strategies that we could implement, right? So I would say organization is probably one of the one of the top things there. Second is not mixing your personal expenses with your business expenses. Um, if, if you were to get in an audit situation, um, at times the IRS will look at that. If there's too much mixing of those worlds, they'll say, oh, this isn't even a business. Um, you've mixed your personal expenses with your business expenses. It's all coming out of the same bank account. Uh, we're not even going to recognize these deductions. Yeah. And I, I do want to underscore that we've had a couple of episodes where we've talked about entity structure and we just always want to underscore. It doesn't matter how neat and tidy you've got your entity docs all set up. You can have your corporate bail pierced pretty darn fast when they audit the, the accounting because how you handle the money really defines Absolutely. equally as, as important as the actual legal docs in place. hundred percent. And, 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 Again, do not mix your tenants' deposits <laughs> with your personal funds. That's a quick way to, to not just get your corporate veil pierced, but also end up in legal trouble. Yeah, that's a no-no. So that's a big no-no. I would, I would say maybe the last thing here um, is if you do want liability protection to make sure you're, you are structured appropriately with LLCs uh, owning the rental properties versus you personally. So they can't – if you've got issues, they can't go over – go after you personally, you've got, you've got a veil there of protection with the LLC. Any, any fast questions you want to ask him real quick, Clay, before we got to wrap this up, we got it before we got to get downstairs. No, this here. is uh, this is man, there, there's so much to unpack here and we definitely need to have you back. I'd love to have your partner, Danny back as well. <laughs> uh, and just have you guys just unload uh, any last uh, advice or tips uh, last advice or tips. Imagine all of your clients. <laughs> or can people get a hold of Paul at all? Do you Use have like an email address? Is, is that Use something you would give a good CPA. Do, would, the... do, you have, do you have any ways of people reaching so out to website, you? So our website, wealthcholson.com. Okay. Um, typically, we'll, so if, if you're an investor, uh, you're getting into rental properties, multiple rental rental properties, entrepreneurs, self-employed. Uh, those are typically the people that, that we work with. Uh, we put together strategies uh, to make sure you're confident, we're confident. In, in what's happening and try to limit the amount of tax that you're going to pay at the end of the day. But yeah, wellcholson.com. Cool. And these guys are good. Yeah. I mean, you guys have heard me rave about them, but I, I, I couldn't echo that louder of have a good CPA because they are worth far more than you'll ever pay them when it comes time to get your tax return. Appreciate so, it. Clay. Thank you, Paul. Appreciate and, it. And make sure you're subscribed in whatever podcast app you listen to podcasts in, and uh, we'll see you guys on the next episode. Thanks, Chris. You've been listening to the red sign podcast a deep dive into legacy wealth building through real estate. See you next time.